I want to read Jonah chapter 3 and chapter 4. And these both are short chapters. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. And this time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took him three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, Forty days from now Nineveh will be destroyed. The people from Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message. And so from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap and to show their sorrow. And when the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning. And everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger. From destroying us. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, He changed His mind and did not carry out the destruction He had threatened. And this change of plans upset Jonah and he became very angry. And so he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarsus. I knew that you were a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You're eager to turn, eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. And then the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry about this? And then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. And the Lord arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And soon as it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun, this eased his discomfort. And Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint wish to die death is certainly better than living like this he exclaimed and then God said to Jonah is it right for you to be angry because the plant died yes Jonah retorted even angry enough to die then the Lord said you feel sorry about the plant though you did nothing to put it there it came up quickly and died quickly but Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? May the Lord add the blessing to the reading of his word and his name be praised. It was a troubling request that the mama gave her little child. 
The request went something like this. Would you step out onto the porch and get the broom for me? She said at one time, the girl didn't answer. She asked again, would you mind to step outside and and get the broom for me? I'm here working in the kitchen. It's right there on the porch. Oh, I I can't, Mama, she replied. Well, it's just right out there. Just just kind of slip out there and get it. But, but, Mom, it's dark outside. And I'm afraid of the dark. Oh, oh, you'll be fine. Now, just just step out on. uh, You'll be fine. I'm right here. You just step right on out and and get the get the broom. It's right there in the corner over there. But but it's dark outside, Mom. And I'm afraid of the dark. Well, honey, you don't have to be afraid of the dark. God's out there in the dark. So Mama goes back to the kitchen, continues her work. And she goes to the door and she says, God, could you hand me the broom? Have you ever had a troubling request? Well, this was Jonah. Jonah had a troubling request from God. He was very, he became the reluctant prophet. And God told Jonah to go to Nineveh and to declare to this great city that he was going to bring judgment. Now, it wasn't that Nineveh, that Jonah had a problem with the fact of the message itself. He kind of liked the thought that God would bring judgment to Nineveh. But what really bothered Jonah was the reality is that he knew the nature of God. He knew that God was indeed merciful, compassionate, and loving. And he knew that indeed if they did repent and they turned from their wickedness and their violence and their evil, that God would spare them. Now, this was a troubling request for Jonah, so we know the story. Jonah goes as far away from the command of God that he could get. He goes to Tarsus. That was uh, a long way complete opposite direction of Nineveh you know the story you know the narrative he gets swallowed up by a great fish in the depths of his distress and despair God shows mercy he gets swallowed up by a great fish and Jonah turns to God and God the the great fish spits him up on the shore about 60 miles from Nineveh or a few miles from Nineveh, rather. And Jonah is to go to that city and preach. God, in his mercy, spared Jonah because he wished to die. Um, and then God comes a second time and says, Jonah, I'm giving you a second chance. You're going to get a second chance to do what I have asked you to do. I'm glad that God gives second chances. Yeah, this was a this was a city that boasted at one time around six hundred thousand people. They were Assyrians. They were Assyrians. They, this was a royal city, a political city. It housed the great people of notoriety in the Assyrian Empire. It was a a city that was filled to the depths with corruption. Every kind of evil and vice and pleasure, it would have been a sin city. Nineveh would have. I mean, the power structures resided in Nineveh for the Assyrians. And it offered all the amenities of modern life, as modern as that day was, that they could have. It had an aqueduct system that ran through the city. It had all the things that, that people would want in a, you know, in a city, but it was filled with great 
violence. Like cities. Trafficking of, trafficking of human suffering. Unimaginable. And imaginable. This city was on a short lease with God. And God's wrath was getting ready to be poured out on this city. Judgment was at the door. And Jonah was saying, bring it on. They deserve it. Now, Nineveh and as well as the Syrians, I mean, there was no love lost. Matter of fact, there was animosity and even hatred that they held for the people of, of, of Nineveh because they were so cruel. And this is why it was troubling Jonah so much is that, is that if anybody, does, that if anybody, if there's any group that didn't deserve mercy, it was this group. And so when God told him to go to Nineveh to preach to this great city, that he was going to bring judgment, Jonah's like, go ahead and do it. I'll just hang on to the message. You bring the judgment. It was, it, was, it was a troubling, troubling, troubling reality that settled into Jonah's heart because it run very counter to his own, his own desire to see them get what they deserve. It was a troubling, troubling, troubling message, a troubling request that, that he had, he was given. God gives him a second chance. In the depths of despair, Jonah cries out, as we said, and this great fish spits him up. There's good news for those, and I said it the last couple of weeks. There's good news for those who are, feel like they're swallowed up. God, you know, you eventually get spit out. Right? You do. You know, troubles are only temporary. Things that swallow you up are only temporary. So God God brings this great wind to, to come on this boat, and he, Jonah's thrown overboard, his fish swallow him up, and he's spit out, and he gets the second chance, and he preaches to Nineveh. He preaches, he goes to this city, and notice it's not a message of mercy, it is the message that God is going to bring judgment and they listened go figure they listened they heard the message didn't they they heard it and they listened he was just going around to the streets and and he was saying god's going to bring judgment to nineveh this is a big this is a city that was about 60 miles in you know in length, that's that'd be a good drive. It'd be like driving to Kingsport, Tri Cities from here. You know, it would. That's a pretty big. It's a long walk, isn't it? So he's preaching, and they're hearing, and they're listening. So there was something that was going on. We don't know about. There was something going on in the depths of that city that they knew that life couldn't go on like this. Right? There had to have been something going on in their rulers to say. You know what, this is not, this is not uh, you know, this life of violence, corruption, and sin, and all the things that you think that is going to give you that, that's good, is not working out. You know what, sin doesn't. Only for a while. And people in leadership realize that, hey, there has to be something. God is going to bring judgment upon himself, upon us, if there's not some sort of turning from this. And they didn't expect mercy, by the way. Because they had never given it. It was, it was nothing that they anticipated. But, but here, here the king puts himself in sackcloth and ashes. In other words, there's mourning that is going on. He is, he is, uh, he is sorrowful for his sin. And the sin of their land. And what does God do? God is true to his character. Now, this is a comforting truth. The idea of mercy is a comforting truth because of this in the deep waters of life, in the deep waters of life, God's mercy runs deeper. Aren't you glad? Let me let me just ask you. 
Have you ever been thankful that God didn't give you what you deserved? Is there anybody here that's ever been thankful? You see, when we get the depth and the reality of our own sinful hearts and our own rebellion, then you get to a place of thanksgiving for God in His depths of His character of not giving us or withholding from us what we deserve. That's, that's all mercy is. Mercy is, is the reality of God's response out of His own character in our distresses. And I don't know about you, but in life I find myself distressed. Distressed. I find myself, I find myself at, uh, not easy at times. I find myself with questions. I find myself with, with heartaches and with pain emotionally, spiritually, sometimes physically. Some, and, and I find myself in the dilemmas of life and sometimes stress. And my prayer is very, very simple. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. It's a good prayer, by the way. Jonah experienced that in the depths of a death that he, was di- that he was diving into as he was being swallowed up by the fish. So in the deep waters of life, you say, well, I'm in deep waters, Greg. <laughs> I got great news for you, comforting news, that God, that God travels in deep, his, 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 his ways run deeper than the deep waters that we're in. Aren't you glad? Man, I am. It's a comforting truth. I take comfort in knowing that, the, that, um, that His mercies run deeper than my distresses. That His mercies run deeper. They're new every morning. Matter of fact, great is thy faithfulness, the psalmist says. His mercies are new. Listen to this. His mercies are new every morning. Has your mercy ever run short or run out? Are your mercies new every morning? Oh, when you deal with the same old, same old, sometimes our mercies run thin, don't they? I mean, how many times am I to forgive you? Or you to forgive me, this person? Or how many times should be you be you know should you overlook the offense? And and, and there's times that that you say, uh, you know, it's really running thin. Have you ever said that? No, you haven't. Your mercies are new every morning. But sometimes you know as well as I do, our mercies run thin. They run thin. And, and Jonah, Jonah looked at this, and, and notice here, what we find is this. If you're in a place that you're in a distressing situation... Look at the prayer that was prayed in chapter 3. Okay, and we're going to look in chapter 4. Align your heart to receive God's mercy. And how do you do that? Here's how you do that. I want you to look at these. There's about four to five different things that we're going to look at very quickly. I would write these things down, by the way. Because some of you are here and you find yourself in a perpetually distressing situation. So how do you align your heart to receive mercy? First of all, humility. There was humility. He humbled himself. They humbled himself. The king humbled himself. It was, in other words, it is, humility is the acknowledgement that we're not God, but that God is God. And we humble ourselves and bring, notice this, and bring ourselves under his authority. That's what humility is. Humility is saying, my days, my, our ways are not working. My way is not working. I, I, I align my heart under the authority of God. And the Bible says that he that humbles himself under the mighty hand of God, God will exalt them in due time. In other words, when you bring that heart under the alignment of the authority of God in humility, God, you have just placed yourself in a position to receive mercy. There was godly sorrow for sin. Now this is more than just feeling bad about it. I mean this is a godly sorrow. Recognizing that God is so holy. That his heart is grieved. 
by our sin. Now, I, I'm, I, I'm just not sure that there can ever really be a true repentance until this sets into our hearts. And that godly sorrow is a recognition that, yeah, our sin hurts other people, but it hurts the heart of God even more so. That godly sorrow is, is, is recognized. It grieves us to the heart that we have grieved Him. And then there's this idea of earnest praying. You know, here's prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. That's praying. And then there's praying. There, there's praying. You know what I'm talking about? There's praying where you, where you get down and, and it's like, okay, I'm not worried about the words. God, help me. Lord. And I'm thankful that when we have no words to speak and that God is a discerner of the thoughts and knows our heart and He knows our tears and our fears and our worries and He knows the anguish of our soul. And when you get down to the nitty gritty, you can pray to a God who gets down there with you. Is your God like that? No, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, the nitty-gritty of life. I mean, you get, you get down there and it, it, it's down to the depths of your soul. And your heart is wrenched in, in, in anguish. And, and, and there's, you, have no, you have no words to, to say, fix it this way, God. It's just like, I just need help. That's a position that God can can really do a turnaround in your life. You know, most of us don't want to go there. It's, it's undignified, isn't it? You know, it's like, it's like the guy's praying at the altar. You know, Jesus tells us a story. You know, if you want to look at a life of mercy, man, look at Jesus. Jesus tells a story. He says, two guys praying at the altar. One guy saying, Lord, I am so glad that I'm not like the, the sinner and the publicans. He said, you know, I, 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 I do all the things and up, I'm upright and keeping with the law. Look how good I am. And the other guy comes and he said, won't even lift his head up. And he says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus said, guess who leads justified? Not the guy who's self-justified. It's the guy who is recognizing his own sinfulness before God. Don't, don't just, listen, don't just kind of gladly slip over your own sin and say, oh, it's just being human. That's what we do. Our sin breaks the heart of God. I mean, it, it, it's, it separates us. It's, it's, what, it's, what, it's the wall that builds that wall from, from complete communion and fellowship with our Creator. And God takes it real serious. I mean, serious enough that He sent His Son Jesus to die on a cross for our sins. So He could show mercy and not judgment. Oh, He did show judgment. Hey, I mean, it was judgment on the cross. It was, it was, there, was, there was judgment on the cross for our sin. And there was two thieves there. You're, you know the story. You know the, the narrative of that. On that Good Friday, there was two thieves. One on the left and one on the right. And they were accusations and railing. And there was anger and bitterness and hatred and cussing. And all kinds of things going on around that cross in the, in the hearing of Jesus. And there was, one, there was one thief who was known to be a thief who was getting exactly what he deserved. And he looked over to Jesus. He looked over to the other thief. He says, you know, we're getting what we deserve. This man has done nothing. And he looks to Jesus and he says, Jesus, will you remember me? In paradise. And Jesus said, what did Jesus say? On, on the cross. On the cross, I mean, you look at injustice, you look at, I mean, all the things that, that really throw the heart in a, in a tailspin as it comes to the dilemmas of life. And you see it there on the cross, and, and Jesus said, 
this day you will be with me in paradise. Mercy. Did he deserve it? No. Now, I, I have talked to people that really have a hard time with this idea of the thief on the cross getting, you know, he didn't do works. I mean, his works were bad. And, and he was, you know, he was dealing with the consequences of his sin. But on the cross, there was the extension of mercy. Hmm. Now, so, you know, when, I, when my heart is in distress, I, I need mercy. I, I know that. But you know what? This comforting truth can also be a troubling reality. Especially when you don't think that somebody else deserves mercy. Now, so we, we, we see then that, that God moves in mercy by saving the undeserving. This is a troubling reality, and we see that as we get to chapter 4. It's a troubling reality. It's a troubling reality for Jonah. Look at chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. This happens, and Jonah gets angry. Now, now here was a guy that had the inside with God. You know, you think that, I mean, this, this Jonah was a guy of truth. Right? He knew that God was holy. He, he knew that God was righteous. He knew that God was just. He knew the nature of God. And he also knew that God was a God of, of, of justice as well as a God who was merciful. And this change of plans upset this, uh, upset this do-good prophet. He became very angry. He became very angry, so he complained to the Lord. Now I don't know if I know that you're probably you don't probably do that, right? Do you? Have you ever complained? Huh? Y'all, y'all talk to me. Y'all just y'all look y'all are looking at me like you're in a stupor. You ever complain? Listen, listen, and I'm I'm not I'm not call for you to come forward then if you just confess it now, okay? But, I mean, you know, I complain. I've got friends I complain to. And, and you know, there's a, there's a lot of complaints in the Bible. I mean, some of the prayers are couched with complaints to the Lord. I mean, you look at Lamentations. I mean, that doesn't sound like a very cheerful book, does it? Lamentations. Right? To lament. I mean, there's a complaint. Then the complaint is to the Lord. And I mean, I mean, you look through it, you go through, read through it sometimes when you're cheerful enough. And <laughs> some of you say, I'll never get there. <laughs> right? And, and read it, and then it says, it says something about God's unfailing love. Great is your faithfulness, your mercies are new every morning. But I mean, the, and the rest of it is, I mean, it's like this little, bra- this little, this, this little light beam. Around all this complaint. Uh, he, God, God knows us. He complained to the Lord. Now he knew all this. He said, I knew what you'd do. He said, he, he said I knew what you would do. And notice, notice the next verse. He said, he said, I knew. I knew that you would be merciful and compassionate. Slow to and get angry and filled with unfailing love. You're eager, eager, eager to turn back from destroying people. Just, just kill me now. That's pretty bad, isn't it? You get it? Now, most of us would have said, okay, Lord, you do whatever you want to do. Just feed me. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's the Baptist in you. Know? <laughs> just give me a meal. You know, do whatever. But I, I don't particularly like it. I don't like it, the fact that you have shown mercy to these undeserving people. People. Now, you would never do that, would you? But God moves in mercy by saving some undeserving people, and this is a troubling reality. Now, let me just tell you when it becomes troubling to you. It becomes troubling to you when... Well, let me give you a scenario. It can become troubling to you when 
Somebody that you know gets the job that you were hoping for and they don't deserve it. That's troubling. It just doesn't seem right. You've worked all these years, you've, you've done all these things, and you have, you, have, you have paid your dues, and, you have, and now you are being overlooked. And somebody else gets it. That doesn't seem right, does it? And, you, and you're to be happy about that? That's a troubling reality. It was a troubling reality for Jonah. I mean, Jonah knew that, that what they would do, they were so cruel, these Ninevites were so cruel that they would, they would actually bury people in the sand with their head uh, out of the sand and just basically let them uh, cook there in the sands to die. Cruel. Cruel. And, and, and he, he knew, this, was, this, was, this was troubling. This was, uh, this was a troubling, troubling reality. But God's mercy is a mercy to save even the undeserving. It's undeserving. You ever find yourself struggling with forgiveness? Do you? I mean, I mean, it's it's difficult sometimes. I mean, especially if if there's been an offense or you've been wronged, or if if there's been been a heartache that you have dealt with, or a suffering that you have 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 gone through emotional to anguish or turmoil or pain, either in a relationship or or whatever, and then to ex- extend the mercy of forgiveness. And, and everything within us says it's not fair. You know, the humans, it's the guy at the altar. Lord, I've, I've done all this. Look at all the good things that I've done. And, and somehow you're withholding from me. Somehow, you're, this, is, this is why this is so, so troubling. So, what does Jonah do? He goes out to the east side. Look at this verse. Jonah went out, verse 5, went out to the east side of the city and he made a shelter to sit under it and he waited to see what would happen to the city. He was just had his fingers crossed. Bring it on. Now, I want you to look at this. So he goes out to, to the east side and of the city. He makes a shelter. He sits under it. He waits to see what will happen. No judgment. Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow up. Mercy, Right? As soon as it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shaded him from the sun, it was it was good. Things were were okay. You know, he 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 felt like he had a had a sideshow seat to see what was going to happen. And this eased his discomfort. It was mercy. It was God. Listen to this. It was God showing Jonah mercy. And Jonah's he was very grateful for the plant. He he was very very thankful for the plant. It was it was it was a good deal. Now go on to the next verse, and you'll you'll see a little more about about what how this thing transpires. But God also arranged for a worm. I don't know about you, but ants are really bad this time of year. That's just a sideline note. Have you noticed that that ants are bad this year? They are. Well, just know that they are. They were at, they were bad. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant. It withered away. So all of a sudden, there was discomfort. The sun grew hot. God arranged for the scorching sun to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head, and he grew faint. He wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this. He exclaimed. You thought that. This This is too troubling. It's too troubling. So he goes on, then the Lord says, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Which, yeah. Even angry enough to die, Jonah said. And, and the Lord has given Jonah not only mercy and grace, but he's given Jonah this idea of trying to see into his heart. Do you know sometimes seeing into our own heart is one of the most difficult things to do? You know that. You do know that, don't you? But it is. He says, Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living here. And they're in spiritual darkness. 
People in spiritual darkness do what people in spiritual darkness do. People without God do what people without God do. They sin. They, they live as a law unto themselves. It's just a, a, a reality of their own spiritual darkness. He said, why shouldn't I be merciful to them? Why shouldn't? Here's why we have trouble with mercy. Now, mercy, grant you, when it's to ourselves, oftentimes it's, it's very comforting. It's very comforting to know when you've received mercy. And you knew that you deserved otherwise. But when we find trouble, mercy troubling it's the, in, in this, it's that, is that it, looks, it makes God look like that. It makes God look as though he's overlooked sin. And he hasn't. He hasn't. It, 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 and people would say, "Well, you know, God, you know, God would would appear weak. That God's just overlooking injustice. It, it makes mercy appears to run justice amok. It just 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 isn't fair. Mercy is so unfair, and it is." But it's in God's nature. Mercy cannot be manipulated emotionally to be received, or it can to be it cannot be negotiated for to gain. That's the two things that we see about Jonah here. Jonah was pouting. Jonah was like, you know, he was he was pity party, and, and the worm came to his pity party and ate the plant. Right? He ate the plant, and the plant dies, and and it, it just doesn't seem right. It just doesn't feel right. Be thankful for mercy. Matter of fact, you get the New Testament picture, and it's this. It's that we not only get mercy, we not only get what we, God withholds from us what we, oftentimes deserve when he, as it relates to our sin. But God then lavishes on us His grace in forgiveness. I mean, that's, listen, if, 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 if mercy can be a comforting truth, I mean, mercy and grace together, coupled together, God giving to us what we don't deserve. And it's just like His favor poured out. I mean, that's shouting ground. It's like, thank you, God. I mean, there's not only mercy, but now there's grace. And it, notice here, it, God cannot be manipulated. He can't be manipulated by our emotions, by the things going on. He can't be manipulated by it. And 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 I can I can imagine Jonah's like you know why because listen God acts in His nature. And God just simply wants people that will act in His nature, and He gives us a picture of what that looks like in Christ. And it looks like something like this. In Christ. It looks like that there was this Samaritan that had gone down and fallen by the way of thieves. And the religious person comes over and looks at him and says, I don't think, I, you know, he may be unclean. I don't want to be a, have a part with him. And then this Samaritan comes to him and he sees him and he puts him on his donkey. And he takes him to, to a hotel room and he says, here, and he hires a nurse and he and, and he nurses this guy back to health who is justified. The one who shows mercy. Why? Because he showed mercy? No, because he gets the nature of God. 
he, he understands the nature of God. You, you see, there's not any of us, including myself, that's in a good place to pretend to be God. It's just not a part of who we are. We, we, we don't have the capability. We're not omniscient, all-knowing. We're, we're not all-wise. And we are not all-holy. So we need mercy, and we extend it. We, we, see, we see mercy. You see, in the deep waters of, of life, and the waters run deep sometimes, and they sometimes run really deep, and sometimes they overwhelm us, and sometimes we think we're being swallowed up by it all. But God is rich in His mercy. Look for His mercy and receive it. You say, but Lord, I don't deserve it. No, you don't. But he is rich in mercy. He is rich in mercy. You say, but it's the same thing over and over and over and over that I'm bringing to God. Well, he's the God of second and third chances. Look at the prodigal son. This is, this is where it becomes troubling because in our mindset is that you work a week, you get paid for it. And if you do things in life, you reap what you sow, you make your bed and you do what? Come on, say it. You make your bed, you what? You lie in it. And God comes along with mercy and, and it doesn't negate consequences. It does not negate consequences. And this is where we find it troubling. It doesn't negate consequences, but the reality is, is that God offers forgiveness. And He does. I'm glad His mercies are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. There's two kinds of people here this morning. Maybe you're both of these. Maybe you're in a distress and you're needing mercy of some sort. Maybe, maybe it's, maybe, and it could be in any kind of facet of your life. It could be spiritually. It could be the reality of you recognizing your own sin and you're saying, I'm trying to do better and I'm, I'm really messing it up somehow and I'm just needing God to give me a little extra uh, breathing room. Maybe, maybe God will, will help me in bearing the consequence of my own choices. Maybe God will help me in, I just need mercy. And there's another person here today, or listening today, and it's one where mercy needs to be extended. And this can be troubling. It may come in the form of forgiveness. It can be forgiveness. It could, it could come in the form of, you know what, I'm... I'm Choosing to release. It could, it could come in, in acts of kindness towards somebody that you think that really don't deserve it. It could be in acts of, of, of saying, you know what, this get even game, I'm, not, I'm leaving the judgment part to God because I'm not even a good judge. When it comes to the eternal things. Two people. People in need of mercy. And that's probably all of us. And me at the front of the line. And extending mercy. Extending mercy is... can be a challenge. And it can take an extra grace to say, God, I'm, I'm not necessarily feeling this. But I need you to intervene in my behalf. Corey Tenboom watched her sister go through the horrible atrocities of the concentration camp, treated horribly. War is over. Corey Tenboom's out preaching the gospel. Her sister died in the concentration camp. She saw it. Soldiers would gawk at them, unkind, unmerciful. She was preaching in her land, and 
after the end of the service, there was this former SS guard that came up. His strong German accent, he said, thank God for forgiveness and mercy. She recognized his face. All, the, all of the past just came forward to her at that moment. And she said it was like she was frozen. It was like she was absolutely frozen when she recognized that it was the same SS guard that had been so terrible to her sister, whom she loved. She remarked and she prayed, God. And she said I, she didn't feel it until she reached her hand out to his. To say, I forgive you. That mercy flows. And the full release emotionally. And what holds us? We need mercy in every way, every day, all the time. In your deepest distress, in the deep waters of trouble, God's mercy runs. Father, we are thankful thankful for mercy and grace. Father, I pray. You are the searcher of our hearts. In every way you know us. And you're committed to loving us. Because your love is your nature. Father, I pray and ask that you would simply have mercy. May our prayers for mercy be heard from you. You know our hearts. You know the troubling aspects of mercy that we struggle with. You know our dusty frame. You know our limited vision. So Lord Jesus, as we just kind of pause for this moment to reflect, we ask that you would receive us. Come to us at the deepest point of our need. to a cross and you show us the fullness of love grace mercy and justice and I pray that you'd help us just to cling to you and cling to your cross 
our hearts are being prepared even now to for this communion. But I pray that you would search our hearts and draw us to you and help us to have grace to receive you. in Christ as Savior and Lord, man, the message of the cross is that you can be free from not only the penalty of sin, but the power of it. Your life can be free. You can know forgiveness. That's the message of the cross. That's why it's such good news. And you can know that today. You can receive Christ. As many as receive Him, the Bible says, gave you power to become the children of God. 